Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Pete Steele from Brum Radio in Birmingham, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, you can go and see one artist, past or present, and during the show, they call you out of the crowd and invite you on stage to help them out with one song. Who are you going to see, and what song are you performing with them? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, hello, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from everything from Pete from Birmingham's question: If you could go on stage to perform one song with one artist, who would it be, and what would the song be? That is a particularly special question, there, Dane. That's a tough one, right? It's tough one but um I, I had some time to think about it and i've been able to uh whittle it down to three choices so okay, it, either, it, it either has to be michael jackson and the song would have to be another part of me and then second one would be one more chance with notorious big <laughs> i think that i'll right. know that one I think I know that one. Visuals. Visuals oh, in my head. For sure. Yeah, because I know I won't miss the words on that one, and I'll just be chiming in, so that'd be great. And then finally, you just got to be, I guess I'd have to be in the quartet of uh, Boys to Men singing End of the Road. Oh, man, that's, that so, last one's nailed it. So, yeah, yeah, so, let's go, nailed it. so we'll go with the third one. Exactly. So I know the words. I mean, and not only do I know the words, I know that, let's say, vocally, I'm struggling. And uh, one year Morris is running away with it. <laughs> Say I'm sorry. Stop pointing fit. Yeah, well, that's down on bending knee. And I can, I'll can, i just be like, girl, I'm here for you. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> when you just went out with that other fella, baby, I knew about it. I just didn't care. You don't understand how much I love you, do you, baby? I'm not here to run it. You get it. It's perfect. Maybe you try. And I'll be like, come on, baby. I'm a man. Come on, baby, please. See? So that's what I would do. <laughs> it's perfect. What a great answer. I mean, what listen, about you, Howard? Pete, what about you? I hope that oh, oh, I've definitely got to be up there with Bowie for uh, Under Pressure. I'm going to take the role of the late Freddie Mercury and uh, I just be on stage with David Bowie. That would probably be as great as anything for me. So uh, that's that's my answer. But hey, we, we ask all the questions, Dane, don't we? As proven by that. Absolutely. We, we ask all the questions and we encourage all of our listeners to question their reality. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest podcast network for all of the questions being answered and all of our very special guests. And with that being said, on today's show is a comedian who is the undisputed king of the Black British comedy circuit. His multi-award winning 20-year career has seen him perform all over the world in Barbados, Jamaica, Qatar, the Falklands, Dubai, and even at NATO headquarters in Belgium. He has sold out several smash hit tours, including the Hackney Empire, and has supported several high-profile US acts, including Kevin Hart, who themselves have asked him to go to the States and work with them. And he is also the first black British act to be invited to perform at the Hollywood Comedy Store. He is the people's champion. Please welcome to the show, Mr. 
Danny, Slim Gray, but known to most people as Slim. What's up, Slim? What's up? What a, what an introduction there, man. That, you ever watch Mike Buffer introduce the boxing um, ring announcer? <laughs> introduce someone, and he really does. Until you think, hang on a minute, do you know what I mean? Is that me he's talking about? But yeah, I appreciate that. That that's that's wicked, bro. That's, that's how we do it. I don't know, our pleasure. Sometimes when you're in the mix, you don't get time to like see like, you know, the seeds you've planted of, of, of appreciation. So, you know, I question everything. Uh, there is no question that we like to give people flowers while they're still here. So yeah, man. <laughs> how, how is it going, big man? I love that. I cannot complain. Um I've got Rid of two mosquitoes that was in my house. And, like, not last night, the night before, one of them feasted on me. My finger, my knee, my ankle. I mean, look at me. I haven't even got blood for myself. Who? And, and, that, and, and not only did it feast on you, Slim, it picked your knee. Who drinks from a knee? That's a spiteful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's, so much, there's so much blood in the butt. Cheeks, there's cheek, there's cheek meat, there's butt meat. There's toe yeah. meat, yeah. but he yeah. went for a knee. Yeah. Yeah. They deserve to go. Yeah. You yeah. ask me, Slim. They deserve to go. I found him, and I did kill him. I know that sounds wicked, but I mean, he couldn't fly. He was crawling on my sofa. He had so much blood, he couldn't fly no more. That's how blood I found drunk. him. Blood drunk. That's what happens. Yes. He, yeah, yeah. He got blood yeah, drunk. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens. <laughs> now, I'm not saying insecticide is okay. I'm just saying, you no. Know, well, the law of the jungle. And he doesn't get more jungle than mosquitoes. That's how I feel. He was slipping. Uh, it's when it's at night, though, isn't it? Being at night is just the worst, isn't it? Because you're just like, I'm going to sleep, and then you just hear this little fucking asshole like, really annoying you. Just, uh, just, It's just the worst. Yeah, do you know how they find you? Do you, do, uh, do you actually know? How do they find you in the dark at night when I'm not even moving? Do you know how they find you? Carbon monoxide. <gasps> Oh really? Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 really into like documentaries and all that kind of stuff. Go online, check it out. They find you by the air you breathe out. So that's why, no matter what, you think how, and you're nice and still <laughs> and unconscious. You know no what one, I mean? No one even likes carbon monoxide. You see what I mean about mosquitoes? <laughs> no one likes it. You put detectors in there. You know what kind of piece of shit insect you want me to be like? Y'all smell that? And I was like, yo, mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Be hungry. Now, now, Dane, I've got to say, Dane, I, I know what, what our guest's question is going to be, so I think it's time to open it up because this we are going to we're going to deal with Absolutely. some of this. Absolutely, I just want to say before we begin, obviously, Slim, thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure to say that uh, Slim is now with us at UTC Ice Management, and I want to say a quick story, Slim. Uh, right, right, right. I, you probably yeah. were the, one of the first comedians I heard about before I started doing comedy because my friend Shyam uh, had told me about you when I was I used to work at Haymarket in Hammersmith and I remember I was thinking about doing comedy okay, yeah. and he was saying yeah oh, do you know what yeah, I went to this show I saw this guy called Slim and he was talking about when he drives a bus I was dying bro oh my days and that must have been like <laughs> that could have, I think that was like 2004 like it was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good little while. Yeah, I've, I've I've been doing my yeah. I've been doing my this is it. For the I know. While now, I'm so. saying I'm saying I didn't think I'd actually be able to sit here with you. So it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, sir. No man, it's a pleasure mm. to be here, bro. You know that um, when you came out, um, there's a lot of young comics that come out like generation at a time, and out of the bunch, you definitely stood out. That's why I, I asked you. I thought you thought I was bullshitting you if you would. Uh, if you would bless the stage for one of my one-man shows. Yeah. 
And you came, yeah, you came down. You that was amazing, yeah. Happy Empire, yeah, met the family um, and stuff. And I think I even got some more gifts off the back of that. And yeah. uh, uh, got to meet my first white man called Humphrey that day. Uh, I didn't even yeah. know they were still making <laughs> And Humphrey was wearing a, not only that, Humphrey yeah. was wearing a daishiki. So, you know, it was an amazing yeah. experience. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was an amazing yeah, experience. Big up Humphrey, Happy yeah. Empire. But yeah, that, that was a great gig. And uh, I really appreciate it, man. So it's a pleasure to have you here. As our esteemed guest, uh, the way the podcast works is that we invite mm. you to ask a question, any question you'd like, which we will discuss for 15 minutes and some change. Then how would ask a question, then we'll do the same. And then lather, rinse and repeat, I'll ask the last question. Uh, we'll talk about it. And then uh, everybody go home, have a nice time. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan, bro. Well, Mr. Slim, it is the floor is yours now to ask the first question. My question to everybody is, do we kill insects without thinking because we can't hear their screams. Because you can't hear them scream in pain. Oh, no, please, don't. I've got family. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you do, you laugh. But you, a small animal you wouldn't kill because you could hear it screaming or shrieling or whatever it is. But an insect, I mean, you ever hit a spider or a fly? It's a fucking hell. Do you see what I mean? I see, I see. And, and, and I suppose part of this question is, is about guilt, right? Which is, yeah. so, you know, um, yeah. I, I, I would pose the question, I would pose the question to you both before we talk about insects. What's the biggest animal you've ever killed? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we should be talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> I get in trouble. But like, you know, because an insect is an animal, right? And if, if you're basically saying, if you killed a dog, right, you would feel awful because you would just yeah. be aware that, you, you know, this is just, yeah. you know, but, but like... You know, it's it's difficult, isn't it, with an insect? Because it doesn't it doesn't seem like it has any life. It depends what insect. Like the mosquitoes is most hated. There's gonna be no fans club started for mosquitoes anytime soon. Bumblebees and wasps, we love them because they provide honey, etc., and pollinate. But also, they walk around with knives. Yeah, do you get what I mean? These things are no joke. I've been stung by a wasp. And as we know, a wasp can sting you uh, more than once, several times. So it, it depends on the animal. It really does. I don't mind hitting a wasp. I don't care. The thing you is, I mean? I mean, some insects, like, for example, cockroaches, you don't have to kill them if you don't want to, but if you don't, be aware they're one of the only species on Earth that will survive a nuclear Armageddon. You know how raw cockroaches are? When you step on them and you get some stuff that comes out, you think, it's his guts. No, upon death... Cockroaches immediately lay eggs. So they're all ready to go again. And that's Not only egg, that, if you cut off a cockroach's head, the only reason it actually dies is from starvation because it can't feed via its uh, normal uh, digestive system. It doesn't actually die from you severing its head. It dies from uh, starvation. We're going to ask you, Howard, what is the biggest animal then have you killed? So, so my animal uh, murdering uh, history um, is mainly based around uh, my cat, uh, Slim, who uh, Dane hears about fairly regularly, uh, and yeah. as do the listeners. Yeah. And she is a murderer, Slim. She's a fucking yeah. sick, twisted bastard, like yeah. really. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, um, we had uh, an incident, I mean, you know, everyone knows on the show I've got this this baby that we've made yeah. and uh, we had an incident where I, I was just um down the road and i came back to find this pigeon in the front garden yeah and um uh it was it was it had been brutalized by my cat 
Um, yeah. And so I think I think I've I think I've maybe helped kill a a, a mouse and a and a bird at some point because of uh, my cat. You're, not through you're not through accessory. choice. Your accessory. Can you believe that? <laughs> to, to, to animal murder. Yes. Joint enterprise for interspecies <laughs> homicide. That's the charges they'll read against you, Howard. I think. That being said, Do you I, understand? A, I think I killed a pigeon like two weeks ago. So. Not, not like well, really? not with my hands. I was just driving a car, and it was dark, and my car's black, and so yeah, it came out and hit the light, and it may have, it may have survived. I didn't go back and check, but it didn't sound good. Normally, when a pigeon you drive in and you see them like kind of flutter above the windscreen, you go get out of the way, but he just went boom, and then I was like, oh. yeah. But uh, yeah, but I, I don't think I've got a lot of bodies on me. So it's like I've that. got a lot of deliberate bodies on me, so far as like big. Things like, like insects. Oh man, if insects were people, then yeah, I'm definitely a serial killer. Isn't it because we? Isn't it? Isn't it because we don't like the way they look? No, as much as anything, is that not part of the problem? No, they bite. I, I'm not gonna just kill. Her. I, I, I don't think. I, I don't think I'll just go see a butterfly and go and say, right, die, butterfly, die. It's not like that. It's pretty flutters along. It's no problem. You know what I mean? Most of the stuff we do kill. Yeah. Exactly, and flies are bad as well. Because they bite. Yeah, and not only do flies bite, they lay eggs in things. Let's say you're very sick. (laughs) Let's say you're very sick, and like you cut yourself, you're in a war. Maybe you're fighting for, I don't know, freedom or the innocence of children. Let's say you get hit by a landmine or you get hit by a bullet. You're like in the hospital now, like, uh, uh. A fly will see that and be like, that's a good place to squeeze children at my pussy. That's not how the world should work. It's not okay. It's not okay. Not only that, mosquitoes are actually the vector for malaria. So I'm and the Anopheles mosquito is the vector for malaria. I did this in biology A level. And you know how Slim was saying how how efficient they are at spreading their disease and their suffering, like with carbon monoxide. You know what else they do as well? They actually mm-hmm. uh, the parasite that causes malaria is called plasmodium, and it's like a microscopic parasite that eats blood cells. And what uh, the Anopheles mosquito does is that it injects it into you, then leaves you, and then basically, as this uh, parasite has this life cycle in your body, what it does is that it raises your body to like fever temperatures and starts producing additional like um, sex, uh, I guess, uh, sex cells like uh, you know eggs and sperm and the like, because I guess they're uh, have, uh, what's the word intersex, and then that raising temperature attracts mosquitoes, so they come and drink, drink you again and help the malaria to pass on. Yeah, man, these bites are killing me, yeah. and they're so it- and they're so itchy. They're killing me, man. I'm, I ain't gonna lie. And listen, if you if it raises body temperature now, and I go out, and anybody tests my temperature in this COVID, I'm gonna be like diagnosed that I've got COVID, and there's fuck all wrong with me. Exactly. Why? Why are mosquitoes even in this country? What are they even doing here? Because of the hu- the climate's changed so much. But I don't know. They imported them. Yeah, you see. I just, I don't know. I, I just, um, I imported them. I think, I think you raise a point because, like, I know a lot of people, especially Slim, talk about being like a pescatarian. And I'm like, I imagine a pescatarian is much easier because no one's ever heard a fish scream. And even when they're out in the water, they don't scream, they just gasp. No. So when people are like, I'm a pescatarian. No. I only eat fish. Yeah. Oh, you just eat animals that can't <laughs> scream and can't run. So that's yeah. much easier. That's right. Why don't we eat snake? Snakes can't scream. Oh, run. But I feel like people, people will kind of, um, I don't, I don't think everyone cares about screaming. I think people that are like consumers of meat, they're concerned with screaming because they don't have to work in like an abattoir or see it actually happen. 
So they're fine with it because some people very clearly do not give a shit about hearing animals scream because people kill baby seals. I think seal I, seal cubs like yeah. I, I mean, if you yeah. how can you do it as a job? I think if they can, if they if they can scream if they if they if they could scream, I don't think it would stop us because their approach to us is one of violence, right? That's what is the problem. Like, uh, and, and most insects are out to get you in some way. <laughs> in some way, and it's like I was just thinking about an animal that does scream that we eat is uh, a lobster, right? Doesn't a lobster when they put it in boiling water yeah. go, oh fuck? You yeah, I, I, me, I, you I won't eat it. I won't eat it because of that. That sounds really. They claim Soft. that they can't feel but, the pain. They claim that the way the lobster's body is designed, they can't feel the pain. And that, of right, course it's a lie. Of course it's a lie. But obviously, if lobster is sold and it's very expensive, you know, like diamonds, people want you to be able to buy them without the conscience of the amount of bloodshed that was involved to get them, you know, in front of you. So people are always like, no, lobsters, they can't feel pain. I'm sorry, where's that screaming coming from? No, that's just the air coming out. Yeah, that's what screaming is also. It's air coming out. That's also what screaming is. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it to me, you know, uh, uh, the kind of bottom line of, uh, of Slim's question is that that communication <laughs> is everything, right? Yeah. And if if these things can't communicate, so, you know, let's say there's a puppy that just kind of like walked into your bedroom at night and you know, it was trying to it was trying to bite you to suck your blood. You'd you know, you'd fucking hit that puppy, right? That wouldn't you know, don't care how cute it is. But on the, on the other hand, if the insect could come in and like this, these mosquitoes that came in last night, Slim, and they just like, they spoke English and said to you, listen, mate, I'm really hungry. I'm going to die if I don't eat some of your blood. How do you feel about this? You could have a conversation with them, but obviously they don't have those skills. I would say go on then. And as they land on me. And they'd go, well, and you'd go, <laughs> why, why Slim? Why Slim? I just came to drink your blood. Because that's my nature. Yeah. Like blood drinking is yours. <laughs> 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 I do feel sorry for them at times. I tell you, I, tell you, I, I don't live in, I used to live in London my whole life and, you know, you get a couple of spiders now and again, right? But, like, now I, I live out of London, I get spiders out here like nobody's business. They're fucking everywhere. And yeah, it, I, I kill a lot of spiders now. And it's like, I sometimes feel, <laughs> sometimes feel like I'm just like, you know, it's like a horrible thing. I'm just massacring these people. Do you know why? Because a lot of them look like they go to the fucking gym. I don't care what you've got to say. <laughs> you, know, you remember Daddy Long Legs back in the day? No one really killed it. It was quite large, but it was just legs. Legs were skinny. The yeah. body was it's not, it's not even, little it's not even, and it just it's moved not along. It's a real spider. Now, long legs. It's actually a crane fly. It looks like because of the long legs, people think it's a spider. But yeah, so it's not, even, a, it's not even an arachnid. That's correct. And, it, it's actually, That's and it's actually venomous. Yeah. I'm like you, Slim. Personally, I don't endeavour or proactively seek out insects to attack, maim or brutalise. At the same time, no. if, you step in, if you step into my no. circle of safety, I've got to protect myself and my family. I mean, I'll try and open all the windows all I can. If you're still hanging around, it's like, well, you must have a death wish. Howard, why, why have you got a cat? Just as a pet? Or is he a working cat? Just to keep mice and everything. What is he or both? Oh, she is definitely not a working cat. She is a cat that lives by her own rules. She's like a <laughs> renegade cat. And, uh, and she's a beautiful creature that my wife... Um, that my wife loves, you know, yeah. and I love, and uh, yeah. and actually has helped me with my career in television because it helped me invent yeah. a show that <laughs> that yeah. actually yeah. happened. So, I, yeah. so in that sense, she was a working cat. She inspired that. But no, she yeah. she does kill things. And since we've had the baby, um, she's definitely upped her game. 
she's up to <laughs> like there's more to people to provide for so she's really going for it like every night and sometimes she and looks she, like annoyed that she's going to go out and kill again you know my cat don't do that my cat done it once and i shouted at that caught a mouse and waited for me at the front door like a dog i thought who waits at the front door i opened it sitting down proud i didn't see the mice at first in front of it and I saw it move a little. So it's still alive, but injured. It yeah, yeah. It couldn't scarp up. <laughs> Get out of the house. I opened the back door. He picked it up and left. I think humans think that is a present that our animals bring into them when they do that. I don't think it is, you know. I'm starting to question, do they like our food? Do they like our yeah. cooking? Do they like the brand of cat food they it could be put that in the frying pan. What you cook is a yeah, load of It could be that. It could be that. It could be you that. Never I know. They, they say some of the reasons with cats yeah. is that what they tend to do is that cats, uh, the reason why they don't kill the animals they bring back is because they don't think you're smart enough or capable of hunting for yourself. So they bring it back to say like, here you go, because I know you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. So here's it. Because you, you're so dumb, you have to wear clothes outside, which is already dumb. <laughs> so since you don't know how to even dress, here's some, here's some food for you. I agree with that. And I've, it's, it's, all you gotta do is all you gotta do is eat it because I've already made it weak, so that's still gonna be fresh. And you go, no, don't do this. And they go, all right, fine, you're an absolute idiot. So I'll just do the killings in private from now on. <laughs> I would agree with that, but there's two stories. One story is the day I came downstairs and. Um, I went out the front door and at the front door were just two bloodied wings of a bird. <laughs> Everything else had gone. So um, for that evening, Prim had obviously ripped the thing to shreds and eaten some of it herself. So in that sense, I wasn't sure. But then the other thing, which is the really the most disturbing one I've ever had, which was um, uh, we lived uh, in Holloway where, uh, you know, occasionally there would be incidents of, uh, of, of a nature that you might want to call Call, you know, call the police and be like, oh, something, a big fight going on out there or something or whatever. And um, and one of the same nights that something like that happened in our neighbourhood, um, I just heard this noise downstairs, this banging <laughs> on our, in our window downstairs. And I was like, fuck, like this could be something related to this thing that happened last night. Who knows? So I kind of came downstairs. I, I don't have any weapons. <laughs> I don't have any weapons generally. But I, was, I can't remember what I picked up. I think I picked up like the biggest book I had to like, hit, hit this person that was breaking into my house. And I, I went in, turned on the light, and it's this fucking pigeon with half a, half an arm missing that Prim has brought into the house, and it's smashing into our window to try and escape as Prim just dances around the living room. Your cat, your cat is a real lunatic. Your cat needs counselling. Doesn't need it. Needs counselling. Needs counselling. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it it's sick uh, or is that, is that just the true nature? This is what I'm saying. We'll never know until we can communicate. I would, I would say, Dane. I don't know what you think, but to me, if if if, if insects could scream, I'm still killing them. <laughs> I killed them for the scream. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I I'll only kill them when necessary. necessary. I'll only apart kill them from when apart from the Anopheles mosquito, which is the vector yeah. for malaria, kill them all you want. That's what I say. Fair, fair, fair point. It was a really great question, though, Slim. Thanks for bringing it onto our show. Brilliant. I'm going to talk about something very different in my question. So my question is about an issue that's come up this week in the news. And you know what? Uh, I think the person in, you know, in who it's about um, is generally a beloved person in the British, you know, world. Like Adele is someone who... You know, even if you don't like Adele's music, which I'm not a massive fan, but I can respect some of her songs. 
Um, I think she's quite a lovely character, as in, like, she's been a nice character, right? She's always seems like a very genuine person. And then this week, uh, she put a picture out uh, in in honour of Carnival, I think is the exact um, thing that it was written reference to. And she was accused of cultural appropriation because of the uh, Jamaican flag bikini she was wearing and uh, the uh, uh, Bantu knots that she had in her hair. And I wanted to ask you guys... Where do you stand on this? Slim, you first. Man, I don't have... No, personally, I don't have a problem, yeah. to be honest, truth, um, with it. I think if somebody genuinely likes your culture or little things about your culture, hey, so be it. I mean, you've got people that wear different football tops. They wear a club top one day and a country top the other. And it, I just think that there's more to life than arguing about yeah. that shit. That's me. A lot of things that I don't actually answer to on social network because I think really this is the biggest. <laughs> problem. This is what we call yeah, exactly. first world problem. It's it, first it, world problem. Yeah, exactly. And if if I start as I'm getting older and as I'm getting older and I think this is first world problems, I won't I won't have an opinion on it because I think while we're worrying about her wearing that somewhere in the world, somebody's starving. Or somebody, you know, I mean, there's, there's more to life than she's wearing this. That's like us coming from West Indian parents saying, why are you eating fish and chips? Yeah. That's, that's not your thing. You should be eating dumpling. And it, it's too much when you start nitpicking here and there. So bottom line, I personally don't think she was taking the piss or anything like that. And hey, it's carnival. Well, this, this, this is it. This is it. And, and also, I feel like... Uh, uh, we should definitely give people a bit more context to it, is that uh, uh, Adele was spotted wearing, like, uh, some plumage on her back, as you would when you're in carnival and you're following a float, uh, Jamaica bikini, and also had uh, what I refer to, her head basically was tied in what we call in, in, the, in Caribbean culture, Chinese bumps, or which is also known as Bantu knots as well by uh, continental yeah. Africans. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. As, you, as I said, it's, it is... It's carnival. Carnival is a celebration of the Caribbean and the African diaspora by extension as well. And so it stands to reason if you're going there to indulge a carnival or a festival that celebrates this uh, particular culture that you might want to, you know, reflect those same kind of cultural indicators. I think, and I should I should make it quite clear as well, if people don't know, yeah. the person that kind of initially accused her of appropriation was actually from America. Um, and I, I'm sure, and the thing is, I guess at the moment now, any of these kind of discussions are going to be extraly, extra tense because of the state of race relations in America at the moment. Now, with Adele, I feel like Adele has historically always shown an affinity with black culture. The short genre of music that she performs is black music. She's even she's even actually been uh, quoted as saying that she likes black boys when she first began her career. Um, but yeah, I think I was previously in a relationship with uh, Grime MC and rapper Skepta. Um, and these, I mean, none of these things that, like I say, give you necessarily a pass, but I think she's always shown an affinity with the culture. And I feel like, I think sometimes people confuse, uh, that appreciation with appropriation. And I think for me, appropriation normally is if someone is trying to parody a particular aesthetic from a culture at an inappropriate time. So for example, when you see American girls, white American girls wearing native American headdress at Coachella. For me, I mean, and a lot of time that describes appropriation, A, because of the lack of access to that same uh, to that same kind of arena for Native Americans. 
And I think the main thing, especially in the situation where we're talking about, like, you know, appropriation of uh, black culture is it's more the fact that it's not credited. That's for me. Like, I have no problem if someone wants to mimic or emulate or show, give an homage to a culture or a particular aesthetic, because in the same way that, like, I might want to dress up like a ninja. doesn't mean I don't respect, you know, Japanese culture and where that's come from, you know. Uh, or if you dress up in, a, in, a, in an Armani suit, doesn't mean that you don't, you know, you don't care about, you don't, you're not aware it comes from Italians. I think the biggest issue is... Yeah, but it's, it, it's crazy, um, Dane, because we're talking about dressing up. Had she had a plate of Jamaican or West Indian food in her hand, would there be an argument or why she's eating that? Do you understand? Yeah, no, you're right, because it, it depends, because this is the thing is that, like, it's part of a larger conversation because it's it's the conversation about what defines black culture, what aspects of black culture have priority or prescience over others, who determines what the appropriation is or not. And, you know, this is what comes with the discussion on a whole about trying to group a bunch of people generically into one group. You know, on a larger scale, it's like, you know, Bantu knots, that even the term Bantu knots doesn't really have its origins with Jamaica necessarily um, because we might call them Chinese bumps. But then at the same time, the, the term Chinese is like a colloquial term to describe something of Asian origin that, you know, uh, that uh, Jamaicans and Caribbeans kind of emulate. So it just gets really confusing because it's like, like as Slim said, there's like, there's an instance whereby if we saw a white person eating the food and enjoying it and being able to correctly name it, then some people would be happy because it appears our culture is being validated and they're showing an appreciation for the culture. But if she's wearing a bikini and she looks a certain way, then we're saying that she's appropriate in the culture. And so it gets very confusing. Well, one thing I was just going to flag up here, which is, is, is you know, I, I think this subject was like really like a juicy one this week because um, there's a couple of elements to it. But the first thing I was going to just throw out to you guys was just, uh, Emma Dabiri, who is an author of a book called Don't Touch My Hair, um, yeah. she posted about this and, and it was, I feel it's very interesting Her, she defined cultural appropriation and she said it's this it operates as part of a structural power dynamic where the appropriating actors belong to an advantage group and they are systematically extracting the culture and resources of a subordinate group and erasing the identity and the involvement uh, in the process of doing that so, so that uh, to me is a very clear way of defining the enemy right which is yeah suck up the culture take it away from the the people who whose culture it is remove it from them and pass it off as your own thing right like that like a mosquito with somebody else's blood like <laughs> exactly somebody else's blood you get if you're a mosquito you're full of energy now but you it from somewhere else I tell you one thing I always think about I always think about in regard to this because I, I tell you a group of people who nobody ever seems to i mean at least at least listen hey listeners get in touch if you have an answer <laughs> an example of this but italian culture is one of the most appropriated cultures as in like how many different people have consumed <laughs> italian culture you know yeah. um, growing yeah. up in an era where mario was like the most kind of important figure yeah. <laughs> and, almost, yeah. and those mustaches yeah. are now like you know it, 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 i could understand if, if if some italians thought the way those mustaches are banded around because of mario as offensive yeah. but yeah. Do you, what are you actually getting offended about is is always the big thing and and, and it, it has to be to me someone who is bringing a, a real negativity to it. As in, if, 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 the if the thing is not to celebrate the culture that you are admiring from afar, then there, there's something gone wrong, I think. But when you are clearly like Adele, who is a massive you know, proponent of that culture and is celebrating it, then I have to ask the question, and listen, listeners, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm happy to hear from you. What the fuck are you moaning about? 
Like, is this what you've got to yeah. do with your time? Dane, I think you said it right. It's access. It's access. If you, if something you lot do is taken by somebody, but then that same place, as you say, they go and, and show it off. They have absolute no access or minimal access to anything like that. Then you can see that. But if it's around where it's accessible and every, I mean, how much people in carnival can wear a Jamaican flag? It's not like she's the only one in carnival. Also, that can I mean, do obviously that. it's I, a black, it's I, black I, culture. I mean, Jamaican, co Jamaican culture has been mimicked in many more ways other than Adele wearing a bikini. So I feel like for me, I guess part of the issue is as well as uh, the, crediting that particular culture is also monetization. I think that's where it might become the issue. So I, me personally, if people were to worry about like Adele, I wouldn't worry about how Adele dresses. You probably shouldn't worry more about how Adele sounds because that's not saying appropriation, but I feel like she's probably enjoyed a privilege that a lot of us don't get because she's been able to monetize the fact that she can mimic black music so well. And it's not the first time you see that, you know, it's, um, that's what people some refer to as like the Elvis effect, whether, you know, Elvis Presley was able to use black culture to project himself to success. Eminem, Ed Sheeran, Adele, Amy Winehouse. I mean, to be hmm. fair... Hey, I'm, man, you could go through all of music, you know, that's basically. It, but it's, that's my point. So that's what I'm saying. If people want to be upset about something, be upset about the fact that you lot have been so appropriated as the diaspora that you're so confused now, you fucking think that a white guy with a guitar saying rock and roll is normal. It's not a white genre of music. And I say that because like, I recall when Jay-Z was supposed to be headlining um, Glastonbury a couple years ago, the Gallagher brothers were complaining and saying that this yeah. is not representative of Glastonbury and rock and roll. It's not your fucking genre of music, so shut the fuck up. He's, he's, clo <laughs> he's closer to rock and roll than you are. So that's what I mean about people need to yeah. about picking the correct battles or looking out for, you know, when your culture is actually being appropriated because we've been so brainwashed into thinking that rock and roll and the aesthetic of your quintessential rock and roll star is a white guy that now you have generations of younger black guys who, because they play guitar, they, their musical's alternative or the aesthetic is alternative, they're like, oh, I'm not just a rapper, I'm a rock star. Most fucking rock stars used to look like you. So, but this is, that's, that's the issue there, is that like, you look at, or, or, or even for me, another issue I'd say, a, a real point of cultural appropriation is the fact that, as I've said it many times on the podcast to people, JD Sports don't sell shit to do with sports. They don't sell tennis rackets. They don't sell tennis balls. They don't sell footballs. They sell apparel. And the apparel they sell are like tracksuits and trainers. All of this comes from hip-hop culture, which is a culture that was created by Black and Latino, African-Americans and Latinos. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
JD Sports have been able to take that entire business model as a footlocker and monetize that through an appropriation of hip hop culture and rarely crediting people in that same respect. This is why, in the same way that, like, you know, before, you know, the emergence of hip hop culture and to an extent, certain elements of, like, you know, Michael Jordan's ascension, people just wore trainers to train. Having trainers now move into yes. being a part of court couture, where you got Pop yeah, Alexander McQueen wears trainers, makes trainers, Versace makes trainers, Hugo Boss makes own trainers, Kurt Geiger makes trainers. Again, before hip hop, these are not brands you would associate. These high end brands you would not associate with mimicking either street or hip hop culture. Now, to be worth your weight in gold, you have to have your version of a trainer. You have to have your version of a distress hoodie. You know, and again, that, that's come from the large amount of influence from people like Michael Jordan, who where people have literally killed. For those, for those, for those, for Jordans, and you know Kanye West and the whole fury about the fact that you know he developed these trainers for Nike and they refused to uh, remunerate him accordingly, so he ended up moving to Adidas and now has been able to become a billionaire. Now, for me, those are the real issues of appropriation people should be dealing with, and I think I can only talk from the perspective of when I see elements of my culture being emulated and that credit not being given, and I think that is there's individual cases, but I think really and truly. Those are, there are certain, so many more elements of our culture that we should probably be focused on consolidating more than worrying about who's appropriated it in the first place. So again, as I say, for example, like, you know, when you have, uh, you know, you know, like black musicians, like a Michael Kiwanuka, these guys are established and, or like even Sanford to an extent, like these are musicians or like, you know, even musicians like Santa Gold or like the Noisettes who are fronted by a black singer as well or M people where they are showing so much broadness in terms of their sound, but because it doesn't seem to be reflective of this uh, supposed contemporary Frankenstein's monster of black urban music, they're considered a separate thing. But really, if a black person is making music and they're making good music, that should be part of black music as well. And I think I remember hearing Akala quoted saying it years ago, is that like, if Capital Extra, for example, or if Capital Extra or One Extra are supposed to be stations dedicated to black music, why don't they play like, you know, um, why don't they play any jazz? So for me, it's like, I don't think people need to be worrying about these little dingy things or like a picture. There's plenty of opportunities. There's certain, so many other facets of society where we could be consolidating the finer parts of our culture. Like for me, like I said, for example, it's like, if you are a black musician or creative, whether you are a sound engineer, you're a producer, you're a songwriter, if you hear a rapper say something that denigrates black women or denigrates black culture, they shouldn't be working with them at all because this is this is your culture. This is this is allowed us to observe social mobility. This is some of the things, well, of the contemporary uh, artistic creations from our culture that people are more aware of. When people start to damage that, then you can worry about it. Someone wearing a Jamaica bra is not, or Jamaica bikini is not appropriate in your culture. If Adele, for example, was saying, you know, this music I created it myself and no influences and I'm responsible for the sound, then I'd be like, yeah, she's appropriate in the culture. But we know that she has, at the Grammys, you know, credited somebody like, you know, the death of Amy Winehouse, who's another black uh, musician that's been influenced positively by black culture, and saying that Beyonce should get, and Beyonce deserves this uh, award as well. So I just think for people, rather than worrying about this being appropriation, I don't think that it's appropriation. You need to be worrying about, there's so, so many other elements of our culture that we don't even get credited for that you should be kind of addressing. In yeah. summary, I mean, smart on the fuck up, people. Like that's my that's my read about read. The, don't stop wasting fucking time. Will and Jada don't fucking matter. Adele don't fucking matter. 
Black Lives Matter. All this other shit go. don't fuck him out. Stop being distracted go. from stupidness. There wasn't even a fucking carnival. That's what you should be concerned about. <laughs> well, I think we definitely got the, to the bottom of that question, Dane. Uh, and it's important, important that we could do that because I, I feel like it's going to get to the point as a Jew... When I watch someone eat a bagel who's not a Jew, am I supposed to get offended by that? Like, what the fuck is this going on now? So, like, to me... Howard, what what if you say, what are you eating? And they go, mmm, this is delicious ring bread. Then would you be like, that's a (laughs) fucking bagel! that's that's fine we can, we, I, hey but I can say to them this Dane this is my new favourite phrase hey I think you might be ignorant about a subject I'd like to offer you some further information to expand your knowledge that's why I think you, we need to start saying to, that sentence more you go to a nicer bagel shop than I go to the bagel shop I go to is called a Bagel King and that's as well as it stays there's nothing more regal about the Bagel King and if you tell somebody in Bagel King I'd like to give you an education They'll say, come outside and come around the corner then, bruv. And I'm ready for it still. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe one day we'll go there together and I can go, listen, I just need to know. It's just a little bit more to it than than that. But um, I'm glad we could answer it. And I'm glad we could answer it for our listeners who probably see some of this nonsense pop up in their timeline and need some fucking truth. Anyway, I think it's time for the final question. So, Dane, um, over to you. Exactly. Uh, thank you uh, very much. Uh, for the listeners who may or may not know, uh, at time of recording, it was my birthday yesterday. Um, so now I am definitely on the wrong side. Yay. Definitely on the wrong side of thirty now. Um, however, I um, yeah. So which, which which every I guess every year you kind of reflect on your life and where you've been and where it's going. Uh, I to, this year I've been. It's been a good birthday because I'm largely on the whole very thankful that uh, I've been in this career that I enjoy for the last 10 years. Uh, and it's yielded success, but I guess the biggest success has been the fact that I still get to do something I love and, you know, take care of myself and people I care about. And most of all, given the events of 2020, I am most grateful to still be here. Um, hey. That being said, I do think a lot about retirement, especially because I work in the industry which is very youth-focused uh, and youth is definitely a commodity. Um so I say, say this slim because I'm sure you deal with that a lot. Um, and, you know, people talk about the appropriateness, appropriateness of your age and stuff and you want to get involved in, like, you know, social media and discourse on social media or even digital yeah. media in general. Like a lot of people will suggest, yeah. especially when you're a black man, because we tend to conflate youth culture and black culture, that you can age out of something. Because I always think it's weird where if you're a 40-year-old rapper or you're in hip-hop at 40, people are like, oh, you're too old. But Tim Westwood is my dad's age and no one says that to him. That's the yeah, truth. no one says that to Tim Westwood. That's yeah, the truth. You know, it's, I find it's quite a strange thing. Um, so I just want to. You just got to stay relevant. Stay relevant. That's what it is. Stay relevant. relevant. Yeah, exactly. And so the question I have for you, Slim, and everybody, is that when it comes to comedy or entertainment in general, well, let's just stick with comedy because that's what we know. Do you have a retirement age, Slim? No, man, I don't. I tell you why. Comedy doesn't have a retirement age. When I think back. Um, I've watched all kind of comedians and usually they're all over 40. Yeah. For my youth. I used to watch Harold Lloyd, um, Lauren Hardy, uh, live comedy. When, when I was young, I remember uh, a, a Jewish rabbi, uh, Jackie Mason. I used to find him hilarious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, and I, I was a young black nine-year-old. You say, well, I, why would you find an old person funny? Funny is funny. Doesn't matter your age. 
Um, Whoopi Goldberg came here a couple of years ago, and she's well into her 60s now, or maybe in the early 70s, and she sold out um, Brixton Academy within minutes. There you go. The big in from Scotland, you know, same thing. Uh, this thing where comedy, you retire, it's not like sport. Um, if you stay funny, you're funny. In America, they don't look at it like that. Um, Cedric the Entertainer, he's in his 50s. Um, Bernie Mac, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, TK Kirkland was, is uh, you know, you got so TK sixty two. TK Kirkland is sixty two years old, and he and he was the host, he's a comedian, listen, and the host of like the Hard Knock Life tour for like Jay Z and like uh, DMX and stuff as well. So, see what's what the mistake people make is that you don't retire you, you just become something else to the audience. So when I started at twenty one, I would have been to yourselves, remind you of I've got a younger brother like that. He reminds me of my younger brother. He's lippy. He's got a lot of lip like my younger brother. As I'm getting older now, I remind the younger generation of my uncle. You know, your dad or your mum's brother that comes in smoking, swearing and talking about how much girls he's fucked. <laughs> and you don't want him to talk like that in front of the kids. But the kids love his honesty yeah. because he's not the parent and he doesn't think. Right, so they look at me and my cheekiness on stage like an uncle. Mm. I get you. Do you know what I mean? Or a dad. As you're getting older, so there's, there's a place for you. Those guys over 50, they just seem like really funny granddads now. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got an old bloke they know in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that will have you rolling on the floor with some of their stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. Laughter don't have an age. Oh, I ain't got a retirement age. There is an ageistness to a lot of entertainment, right? And it's been more pronounced as of recent times, I think. There's just been a weird thing, especially with the emergence of social yeah. media. And I guess the ubiquitousness of accessibility to it means probably a lot more kids are involved in social media than would have been in normal entertainment. Because normally with uh, entertainment, normally a child is only able to be a patron of entertainment because they're pa of pester power. Their parents will either buy them tickets to concerts or buy records and stuff for them. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I actually yeah. find a lot more that there's a conversation that is going to be had between ad kids and adults, which wouldn't normally happen. So, like, when I've been online, had conversations about, like, rappers or and, and some kid will be like, you're full of shit and blah, blah. And before I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I'm like, you're 14, like, your mum buys your underwear. Yeah. I, can't even be, I can't be arguing with you, someone whose yeah. mum buys them their underwear. Yeah. You know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You yeah. know, and this, yeah. and this, but I just yeah. think, yeah, we've commodified youth so much to the point where, you know, you see the emergence of like of cosmetic surgery where people are trying to look younger. I remember watching something like The Golden Girls, and I never felt at any point in time that what I was watching wasn't relevant because the people in it were old. In the same way that like I watched Murder She Wrote, and I would have been like, this woman is too old to perform this investigation properly. Also, Tom Bosley was in it as a like Perry Mason was old, Columbo seemed old because he had a glass eye, yeah. and, yeah. and you know, I, I don't recall yeah. like being adverse to watching or consuming entertainment because I felt somebody was too old. Like even, you know, growing up, Michael Jackson was a very old, well, he's an older man by the time, you know, I discovered him in the eighties, you know, Michael Jackson already had like 20, already 20 years deep in the game. So it just seems to be a real recent phenomenon. And I remember when I started comedy, like trying to be aware like, sort of relevance and stuff. And I guess I told myself when I say everything I want to say everywhere I can possibly say it, then I can maybe think about retiring. But like I said, I figured it's like, it's not straightforward just retiring. Maybe you move on to something else. So, you know, the same way, I guess, with a lot of rappers and stuff, they end up right. becoming producers or A&Rs or label owners. But, 
Yeah, I, I just think it's the same thing you said, Slim. Comedy is very different to most other genres of entertainment in that this is one of them where you get better at it with more age because that comes with more wisdom and life experience. And the more experience yeah. you have, the more that pays yeah. into your narrative. And I remember, because I remember speaking to you when you were maybe just turned 40, we were, remember we were in Nottingham. It was outside O'Shine in Nottingham. It was after yeah. a gig and we were chilling. I remember a guy hit the window of the car and I, went, I remember I went ballistic because some drunk kid hit the side of the car. Oh, yeah. And I was... I remember. I was mental. It's like almost 10 years ago. Because I remember wanting to go and you were like, Dane, you have to think and ask yourself, think of your career and think about, is it worth it? You know, because me, I used to be like that. But, you know, now I think about children I have to support and the career I have. And, yeah, I remember thinking, yeah, yeah that's yeah. an important yeah. jewel for me yeah. to happen. So... I come yeah. almost at the age you were at when you were giving me that advice. So, so I'm thinking yeah, it's good. It's yeah, obviously good yeah, to see you're still yeah, going strong, yeah. man. But, I remember that. Yeah, I remember it well, but I'm saying you're still going strong. The age thing don't bother me. I'll tell you why. Um, I feel that although the internet's here to stay, what we'll get is a, with um, entertainment, is like a, a, a bubble burst. Mm-hmm. Just like dot pop bubble or anything else. When something's new, everybody grabs onto it. Numbers are high, blah, blah. But it all settles back down. I'll tell you why. No matter how much you see somebody on the internet, if they're that good and have that much numbers, do you know what happens? Their fans eventually want to see them live. Yeah. I keep saying this to mm-hmm. people. That is where the proof's in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Because it don't matter when you're doing something on the internet, we could now stop this podcast and say, right, we didn't like that bit. Go back two minutes. Let's start again. There's editing. Live comedy, you ain't got editing. And if if your experience and your gained experience in comedy is only through videos and, you know, social networking, you will fail. You will actually fall on your ass at a live comedy show. That's a total different so there's no skipping around comedy by saying, no, we don't have to do live shows anymore. We can just do all these sketches. No, because sooner or later, all your fans will say, when you come into a town near us. Yeah, I feel like I feel like nothing's changed. I feel like the technology would suggest that like, things have changed. But yeah, you're right, Slim. I feel like people, there's no substitute for live performance. I think lockdown has definitely proved that to all of us. No. But yeah, I just think, I just like the idea, like you said before, is that like, you know, that you're, you're speaking from a place of experience where you've seen certain industrial trends before, where it's like, you know, even when I started doing comedy and I felt like a lot of people were getting ahead of me in a certain way, I was like, it's cool. But I knew which people, you kind of see the long, through experience, you could see the longevity. So you knew who had a gimmick yeah. and why, how long that gimmick might work for who yeah. actually had the uniqueness to them. Yeah. And like you said, it's like, what you got to remember is that That's growing cool. old can't be an issue for you as an artist, I guess, because your audience are also getting old. No. No. Your audience are also getting old. So yeah. their, their horizons and their perspective. And I'm gaining. Yeah. I'm gaining. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gaining. If you can gain a generation younger than you, you're gaining. Madonna. Madonna's concert and Rolling Stones and all these people, they'll have a grand or a great-grand, a grand, a mum, and a daughter. Four generations of kids. The last two, three generations weren't even born when Rolling Stones. Yeah. But they're all there as a family unit, girls' night out at 70-year-olds' concerts. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. You can't be live comedy or... And, and also quality, well. I think, transcends age as well, because I, I, don't know, I don't care where you are, I reckon to this day, you still drop um, sexual healing 
It doesn't matter what age it is. Everyone understands what that means. And, and, and Marvin Gaye died in 1984. Right. Longevity, man. He connected. It's, it's one of those things to me that is, there's a kind of couple of elements to it. One element is the fact that there was a period of time in the British entertainment industry where people were only after a very certain type of thing. And, and, and just to be honest, it was mainly white and of a particular age group. So it was like middle-class white men are basically here to entertain you forever. And then obviously yeah. in the kind of last kind of, you know, let's say, let's say 10, 15 years, maybe that's being generous, but let's say the last decade, uh, very definitely, we have begun to become interested in seeing just just things that are different. You know, um, we, we could list people who've been on this show as comedians who are just from all sorts of different walks of life and backgrounds. And the diversity is, is, a, is a valued thing. But because they're like new... So many of them are young. So it's almost like people's expectations yeah. are, oh, that if you're new, yeah. then you have to be young. And that's bollocks, basically. Yeah. That means that yeah. makes no yeah. real sense. But the longevity thing is the, is the key to, to every, everything. Because if you can't have that, it's just, what is it going to mean? You know, we could, we could name superstar, you know, new comedians right now, people who've had recent spurts or some kind of successes. And if you check back in 10 years... Where are they going to be? I hope for many of them, many of them who we all like, they're doing great and they've yep. got a great career. But, you know, I, I always talk about Bob Dylan, right, D uh, Dane? Yep. Bob Dylan, the man released an album in 1960, right? Ni or 1961. That is fucking 60 years ago. The guy, this year, he went yep. to number one in America and the UK with his new album. That's, right. That's fucking That's hardcore. That like. is hardcore. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're yeah, talking about. Work. That's, that's what People like quality. People want quality. I don't. Yeah, it's always going to win. Quality will always, as long as, as a comedian, as long as you stay relevant. That's what it is. You could be young and you don't. You have three years of storming it on stage. Fourth, fifth year, you don't write as much. You're not really. You're not relevant no more. You're gone. It don't matter about your age. Yeah, yeah. That's true. You're right. Okay. People stop coming to your. Call. I think you're right. I think yeah, it just comes down to the body of work and also yeah, and connecting with people. Like I said, because it's got it's about that relevance means you have to continue to grow. It's not about aging; it's about growing. And I think that's what an audience has to do as well. And if and, and I found yeah, my fortune changed go. because of that myself. Where like I started off, and I think when I started off like performing on Black Circuit Slim, like a lot of people were, like ten years older than me. And then the rest of the people like 10 years younger than me. Yes. So I was somewhere like in the middle. That's right. And so I found that it was sometimes there was that initial struggle to connect. And then as people started getting older and graduating and getting into the workforce and having similar experiences, yeah. I saw people, I stuff yeah. resonate with people so much more. So I think you're right. It's more about, it's never about aging. It's about growing. So, yeah. Also, the one thing I'd, I'd throw into the mix and, and it applies to both of you guys is, you know, the proof is it, it, you know you guys know <laughs> you guys fucking know yeah so like i i saw you know me and dane had a, a before the the apocalypse hit uh, i filmed dane performing uh, with a with a kind of colleague of mine for one night in uh, you can find it on his youtube channel and um mm. uh, he performed three gigs he performed one hour show and then two ten, you know 20 minute slots and he performed three di yeah. three different gigs in one night with three different lots of material now let there me you go these there's some people coming out right now in comedy who think they're, you know, they're on their game. Check out this guy yeah. do that three times in one night. They're different yeah. sets each yeah. time. That's being on your fucking game. Yeah. That's right. 
it's been a brilliant episode, and uh, and it's worth also just reminding everyone, happy birthday, Dane, for the other other day. Happy so. birthday, big man. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. appreciate it. Still happy to be here, man. And uh, thank you. It's been a good present. It's been a gift having you on the podcast, Slim. Um, obviously, uh, you know, experienced eyes, but still uh, heart of a young lion. So can you please tell our audience where they can find you? You can find me online, um, Facebook, Slim Comedian, everything Slim Comedian, Instagram Slim Comedian, Twitter. Um, yeah, just just come out there, look for us. I'm, I'm, I'm not new. I can't say I'm new. I'm leaving primary school. This is how I put it. I'm leaving primary school. And then <laughs> primary school. How yeah. about that? Oh, yeah, exactly. So you're just, you're just meeting some, for some new friends. So, yeah. And also, uh, if you... There you go. You can also uh, find Slim playing my uh, father-in-law, Jamal, in episode three of The Sunny D, which is available on the BBC iPlayer as well. So check out Slim's uh, acting skills as well. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. Uh, again, Slim, can't thank you enough for coming to the podcast. Uh, I'm sure once people will find out about you, you they'll much. check out some more stuff. So, guys, as I say, uh, you are listening to the People's Champion of the Black Circuit and uh, I'm sure you're going to hear much more from Slim so thank you so much for coming on the podcast big man Howard, Dane thank you very much big man and listeners love you no problem take care Slim all the best see you man thank you very much you've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything hosted by Dane Baptiste for more from Dane go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Slim the Comedian. You can follow Slim on Twitter and Instagram at SlimComedian. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Decode. You can follow D on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialDecode. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the Acast team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.